Well, I've looked forward to uh, today because of my subject, and as sometimes is the case in, uh, as I was preparing, I can see um, more than one avenue that I think I would like to pursue. That's sometimes what strikes me. My original title was Victory in Jesus, but as I thought about it, I didn't want it to be singular because that seemed to be uh, fall short from what I would like to do. So I changed it to victories. And the reason is because, you know, the Christian language or language of the church is actually fairly unfamiliar to most of the world. And I, I, I feel like that I would like to unfold and define and give a working knowledge of what certain phrases like victory in Jesus actually mean. We, we use it, but a lot of people don't understand that. Like the song, I love, I love the hymn, but they don't understand, you know, exactly... Uh, Victory in Jesus, it, that is a vintage, actually a vintage Christ, uh, Christian phrase, but you have to admit, you, you, you ask, well, what exactly does that mean? And what, is, what are the implications of, of victory in Jesus? And I, I couldn't get, come up with one answer with just a victory because there were many victories, and so I decided, well, I'm, I'm just going to unfold this thing. I want to talk about different victories that Jesus Christ has given each of us and has given to all who are interested. Uh, there are multiple, various victories that come from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ that come to us that when it's all said and done... Uh, we have a multitude of victories that ultimately allow us to gain an understanding, as the hymn says, we truly have victory in, in Jesus Christ. When I was thinking about this, um, where I wanted to start first was how we start as Christians, and that was victories in Jesus one of the victories that he does give to anyone is that we can begin again, all right? And so the phrase that I want to deal with is born again. You've heard that. We've, we've used it. A lot of people use, are you a born again Christian? Well, that's almost an oxymoron. If you are a Christian, you are born again. And you cannot be born again apart from being a Christian. And you cannot be a Christian unless you are born again. But I want to talk about it because it's fascinating to me, especially when I look throughout the, all the scriptures of the concept and the principles of, of, of what, what that means. And I've chosen, and I see it very clearly, we're going to be looking at Jesus' first dialogue conversation with a man called Nicodemus. Now, there are a few things I'd like to say first. First of all, when we look at born or when someone is born, that is a beginning, right? When someone is born, you have a new baby, that is a beginning, a beginning of life that we truly understand. 
But then when you use the phrase born again, this is where we find Nicodemus is kind of uh, curious. He's confused. How can I begin again? Do I enter again into my mother's womb or what? And so the, the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus not only is instructive, but I think it's very, very enlightening as to what that means, what being born again means. Now, you might, you might wonder, well, why are you going to spend time um, with, you know, the language? Well, because we live in a culture that they demand it. You cannot get on your iPhone unless you learn certain language. You can't get on a computer unless you learn the language. And you're not going to understand Christianity if you don't learn what certain phrases mean. Because once you do, then all of a sudden it makes sense. It's kind of like once you read the owner's manual of your laptop or your iPhone, then you think, oh, that's what that means. That's what that means. So, yeah, we're going to do a little language study uh, as this thing, I think, unfolds. Uh, My original intention was just one day, but I can see several days after this that I would like to address. The scriptures say that the new birth, as we will see, and I'll give a kind of a prep, as we will hear and see in the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, He makes a distinct contrast between birth of this world and then the new birth, or born again. The contrast we'll see is that we all have participated in the birth of the flesh. We have been born into the world of mankind. But what Jesus begins to be talking about is that to be born again You're not born again into the world of flesh. You're born again into a spiritual world. And it's actually fascinating when we think about that because it it opens up, I think, a whole different understanding. You see, if we try to be a Christian from man's point of view, we're we're never going to make it. So Jesus begins to unfold in order to have life, real eternal life. You have life, but it will end. But I'm going to offer you eternal life. You have to be born again. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, here's an interesting contrast. Nicodemus was a teacher. He was a Pharisee. Uh, He was instructed. In fact, the scriptures say he was a ruler. He was a ruler. He had a lot of accolades, and he was able to see certain things. And he was able to see and said to Jesus, you must be from God. But it wasn't a long enough view because Jesus then instructed him about something. Basically what Jesus was saying, yes, you've seen that I'm from God, but you're never going to see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. 
And so he began to unfold with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, when Jesus said, you must be born again, he said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, my first thought on this was, it's not about knowledge. Obviously, Nicodemus was well-schooled. We know that he was a Pharisee. We know that he was trained uh, in the scriptures. He was trained both in Old Testament and, uh, and, and all the writings. He was a ruler. He had knowledge. But knowledge of this world did not give him the ability to see heavenly things. Now, that's something that, unfortunately, a lot of people never learn. They think, well, if you get these degrees or that degree or I have this then I'll, I'll know pretty much anything. And, and, and yet we find in the old philosopher, he realized that when he would ask people what certain things were, he, he found the philosopher concluded, he said, I've, I've learned that when people get a lot of knowledge, they think they know everything when in fact they don't know anything. And so knowledge is not, does not bring a person to that point that they can see or understand or even enter into the kingdom of God. I can, uh, from all the scriptures, I never have seen one passage whatsoever um, where God is going to ask, okay, what, what college did you go to? You know, on jo- uh, you know did, did, you, did you skip classes? I, 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 didn't, I don't see anything in the scripture. What I do see, though, is whether or not a person actually knows Jesus Christ and knows God the Father. I do see that. Nicodemus had the knowledge, but the knowledge fell short for him to understand one of the most basic concepts of what God and Christ is all about. And even in Christianity, this is a linchpin of Christianity, being born again. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just something we throw out. It's not just something like uh, a secret handshake. It is a linchpin of the Christian life, to be born again. Now, it's possible to um, imitate a Christian life or to pursue the Christian life apart from being born again. It's possible. But we'll be, it'll be called to bear on us one day because when people came to Jesus and Jesus said this, he said, well, you know, he gave a parable, uh, gave a story, and he said, one day people are going to come to me and they're going to say, did we not do this and did we not do that for you? Did we not cast out? Did we not heal? And Jesus says, I'm going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me. So this is a linchpin. So anyway, Jesus then then said to uh, Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, the physical birth, and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. This is one of the most fundamental, not only biblical and spiritual issues, but philosophical issues. Is is there a difference between a spirit and the body? We live in a time, and it's been around for several centuries, that 
uh, the mind and the thought has tried to be reduced to a neurological, just physical thing. Yet Jesus says here, along with some great minds, historical minds, that have contended that there is a difference between the body and the soul or the mind or the spirit. There is something different. Here's, here's something that's interesting. You look in the mirror, which be, be prepared. Sometimes I'll look in the mirror and I think, who in the world is that? You know. When you look in the mirror, you see that you're aging. You see that you are, you are not like the pictures in the family album. Yet in your mind, you don't feel like what you see. That in itself is that self-evident awareness that my mind and my heart and my soul is different than my body. I can observe my body digressing, getting older, becoming weak, yet my mind, I think, well, I can remember being young. And so our mind, we don't feel like that we are aging, whereas we watch our body and it does. And Jesus says here, you must be born again. And what he points out here is flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. It is, it is a mistake to think that we can feed our spirit and our soul and even our mind with fleshly things. You see, when we're born of the flesh, we, we immediately have fleshly appetites. We want to eat. Uh, we want to drink, and we have those appetites throughout our life. But that's the flesh birth. When we are spiritually born, you don't have the same appetites. You have a different appetite. All right, so what is that? Well, the fleshly birth is born of the earth, so you've got that. But the spiritual birth is from God. It's from heaven. It's divine. Therefore, profane stuff doesn't feed your soul. Only sacred things feed your soul. That's why when someone is born again, they want to, they lean toward, they pursue, they are curious, they desire heavenly things. They want to be around other people that are that way. They want to read about Jesus Christ. That was the most uh, life-altering thing for me personally was after I decided, I say I decided, I was fortunate to become a Christian, I, I, I wanted to learn all I could about Jesus Christ. And I used to tell my old friends, well, how'd you become, why'd you become, and I said, very simply, I, I fell in love with Jesus Christ. I, I, I just fell in love with him. I was, I was, I yearned for that. I hungered for that. When we are born again, we have a different kind of appetite that comes into play. And that appetite must be fed by spiritual things, not by physical things. That's why it's very, very unfortunate that even in the religious communities today that you think that you can feed a, a soul or a mind or the spirit of someone by all kinds of physical things. It doesn't feed the soul. It does other things, but it doesn't feed your soul. So, he says, you must be born again, and Nicodemus understand, flesh is flesh, spirit is spirit. 
And I think we all know that. I mean, I think if we stop long enough, we, we concede that. And if we concede that, we then also must concede that as I nourish my flesh with certain things, I must nourish my spirit with different things, and they're not the same. So, what Jesus then does, which is the most uncanny, brilliant way that Jesus Christ would teach, he began to use simple things to explain to Nicodemus that it's always been in front of you. It's always been there. You just haven't seen it. And that is the case today. God has not required things of us that we can't understand. In fact, I, I think that early on, God promised, and Nicodemus should have known this. He should have. He was a teacher. He had knowledge, but he fell short. But even in the Old Testament, we find where God uh, was going to create and give people a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind. But yet he, uh, he just didn't see that. And I think that what, in fact, uh, Ezekiel's one, uh, you know, it says, God says, I will give my people a new heart. I will give them a new spirit and I'm just going to put that within them. Well, when I think about that, I think, well, that's a promise. And Nicodemus should have known the promise, but yet he didn't. Why? Because he was trying to understand things spiritually from a physical standpoint, and it just doesn't happen. So then Jesus decided to use physical things to show that God has already given uh, clues, you might say, or a roadmap. I like to think of it as a legend or even a syllabus. Here's what he said. To Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell me where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The, the, the point that Jesus is making here is that the simple things of our lives that we live, it can indeed explain the simple things of eternal life. Recall what Jesus did when he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. To illustrate the spiritual and divine teachings of God, what would he use? The lilies of the field, the fowls of the air, the mustard seed, corn, wheat, the fig tree, wheat and tares. Now what does that mean? It means that God has put before us all these things so that we should not be where Nicodemus is, but we should understand that the Creator has laid it before us, and we can see it, and we can understand what being born again is all about if we just stop and look. You know, Paul wrote this, uh, made mention of this to the church at Rome when he said, since the creation, since all of creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are created, that he is God and he is eternal. So when I think about that, I think, well, we've got, we, we can understand what being born again means. In fact, any, anyone can understand it. And so in, in that, I, I began to really think about what Jesus was trying to get across 
to Nicodemus. And obviously, I think, I think ultimately he, he did. He got it across to Nicodemus because Nicodemus' life changed as we read, as we read throughout the Gospels. But here's something that I think nature should teach us or does teach us. And again, it's not me, it's not just the scriptures, but there are other great writers that point out that nature gives us a compass on how we can understand existence. For instance, it is nature that teaches us that if we want to go west, we must follow the sun, right? We watch the sun. Nature teaches us that if we want to get to west as a destination, we must follow the sun. Nature teaches us, as the explorers so well and readily knew, that if they wanted to get to an ocean, they just simply follow the downward movement of the, of the rivers until finally they get to the ocean. It's no different on that spiritual pilgrimage. If we want to get to eternal life, if we want to be born again, we must follow what God has set forth for us. And that's where we come to today. There is only one way to go west. That's follow the sun. There's only one way to get to the ocean, follow the rivers. There is only one way to be born again, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's not palatable. It's not popular. But it doesn't matter. Because being born again in the Christian life is not about programs. It's not about principles. It's not about morals. It's about one person. Jesus Christ, who can show us and guide us and explain to us what it means to be born again. As I thought about it, I thought, again, I go back to where I started, which is birth, birth of a child is a creation. It, it, it is a fascinating thing. It's birth of a creation. But a creation, from logic, demands a creator, and that's what we've, people have argued for years, creation demands a creator. There must be a creator to create. And here's the thing, the creator, God, is not limited to just one act of creation. In fact, the creator has the right, the ability, the power, the wisdom to create as often as he wants and when needed. For instance, the scriptures tell us in the book of Genesis, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Well, then later, the creator decided he would recreate something, the heart. And that's when he said in the book of Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart. Why? Because that old heart wasn't good enough. It had faltered. It had sinned. And he said, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. Why a new spirit? Because God had seen that the spirit of man was continually evil in all kinds of things. And I will, I will take the heart of stone out of you and give you a heart of flesh. So, how is it then that God is able to to do that. 
How is it, let's phrase it this way, how is it that the Creator has created, recreated into a new birth? How, how does that happen? Well, the book of John, chapter 1, gives us, a, again, a hint. Here's what it says. As many as received Him, to them God gave the right to become children of God. In other words, be born into the family of God. And it says, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but they were born of God. So being born again is not from any of our hands. It is from God. But then I looked at that and, I, you know, as many as received him and my thought was, well, who's him? Who is he talking about? I know he's talking about and some people, but some people not. I'll tell you who him is. The him of anyone who believed in him as they received him. He gave them the right to become the children of God. I'll tell you who him is. God did. A voice came out of heaven one day from a cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Not anything. Not anybody. Not anywhere. Not any time. What God said is... Hear Him. So that's how God begins to bring about our understanding of what it means to be born again. So why? Why? I, I, I always come up with why. The question why. Why does God want to give us the opportunity to be born again? We've all been burned, haven't we? You know, what do they say? Once, one time, shame on me, or shame on you, second time, shame on me. You know, why would God want to be burned by the creation? Because we did. Creation. We turned our backs. We forgot God. We began to worship things more than God. So why would he want to do it again? Why would he want to give us the opportunity to be born again? To begin again. Well, again, the scriptures say this. It was the love of God toward us, manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him, being born again, beginning again, starting over. Now, you talk about a victory when we can begin again. And start things over. Therefore for us this, this morning. In closing is this. Victory in Jesus is that we can begin again in our lives. We can be born again. And it's all by the hand of God. And it's through Jesus Christ. And even though that sounds unpalatable, unpopular and everything. It doesn't change the fact Jesus Christ came in order that we might understand what it means to be born again. This is what Jesus finally said to Nicodemus. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who's in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life because they have been born again. Nicodemus, don't marvel 
that you must be born again. So for us today, here's what the scriptures say. If anyone, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. How translate? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And because having been born again, Peter writes, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, we are now renewed in our spirit, in our mind, and we have put on the new man, which was created according to God in what true righteousness is. So the scriptures say to us this morning as we end, Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, because we can begin again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time to come to your house and to read your words that you've preserved for us. I pray today, Lord, that we would gain that understanding, that we unfortunately are more like Nicodemus, but, Lord, we ask for wisdom and enlightenment. Show us, guide us, and teach us what it means to be born again, to be able to start over, to have our hearts cleansed, and to have a new appetite. I pray today, Lord, if there's anyone here that has even thought about it, even pondered it, they would not hesitate, but they would find a way, they would find that time where they could come to you and ask for your guidance and ask for that change in their life. And we'll give you thanks in our Lord's name. Amen. Let's stand this morning as we come to a close and we give thought to these things. What page, Ed? Uh, 532. 542. As we sing together, if you'd like to come and pray at the altar, please do. You can pray where you are. You can pray when you leave. But if you'd like to come, please do. There'll be some who'll come with you. But seek the Lord as we sing. I'm pressing on.